Well, good morning and welcome to the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, Pooh Tools, we're trying to answer any automotive question you, you may go. have on your mind. <laughs> Give us a call. It's 291-6901. And you use the area code here in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, which is 225. You can reach us from anywhere inside the continental United States this morning. There you go. We sure wish you would. We always enjoy hearing from folks all around the town and all around the country. Just give us a call. And I see we've got David online. Good morning, David. Good morning from San Antonio. How are y'all doing? Doing, doing wonderful, great. sir. Good. It's a little rainy over here right now, but I had a couple questions about my truck. You bet. Thanks for doing that show a couple weeks ago about uh, whether or not to repair a car on how long it's been sitting or mm-hmm. or uh, things to consider. That was really helpful. I've shared that one a lot. Uh, 2004 GMC 2500 Sierra. Okay. And occasionally the AC will start blowing hot. Mm-hmm. And so if I pull over and shut the truck off and crank it back up, it'll start blowing cold again and yes, stay sir. cold. Mm-hmm. Is that something I can maybe try to fix? Ash? Almost all the time, David. What you want to look at when you say hot, it's blowing hot like a heater. You know, it's not just yeah. ambient. Next time it does it to you, what you're, see, so you're sitting on the driver's side. So you're going to feel the air coming through. And there's the, the left side vent and the center vent will be hot. If you can think about it, next time it does it, reach over on all the way to the right side and see if that one's not still cool. Now, okay. if that one is still cool and the other two are right, it's a part called the an actuator. And there, the reason I say if you got dual zone AC, you've got one left, one right. And, it'd be very rare they'd both go out at the same time. So that's a way to kind of tell which one it is. Now, if they're both blowing hot, more likely it's going to be something like the control panel itself. And those don't fail nearly as much as the actuators, but they do occasionally fail. So if you reach over and both sides are blowing the same temperature, then more likely it's going to be the control panel. But if one side is blowing hot and the other side is maybe not ice cold, but still blowing coolish, then more likely you're going to be the actuator. Fortunately, the one on the left is real easy to change. It takes about an hour okay. or so. It's over on the left side, and it's easy. The one on the right's a little more difficult, and there's two more in there that, are, that are, you have to pull the dash out to get to. Okay, great. All right, that's great. Thanks for your help, guys. That's it? All right, Dave. Thanks, man. Yes, sir. Bye-bye. All right, 291-6901 is the number. You know, San Antonio is a really cool little city. I don't know yeah. if you've been there. A lot, a lot, a lot of stuff to see in that area. There is. Kind of one of the, I don't know, I guess if you live around there, you know about it. But being from Louisiana, you don't think about it as much. But Lane and I took a trip out there last summer and just a whole, whole lot of stuff to see there. Wonderful. Really, really cool little area. Nice, yeah. little, nice little trip. Uh, about seven hours outside of That's uh, not bad. Yeah, New Orleans. So it's not too, too bad. Not too far. No. Easy one day trip. Sure. You know, we just always looking for something to talk about, of course, on the show. And we generally have some kind of a topic topic that yeah. we're going towards. Of course, you can always call any question you may have. You don't have to be limited to the topic we're talking about. But I thought we'd talk a little bit about maybe towing and stuff like that. Good topic. And this weekend, my mother came down to New Orleans with us. And of course, mom is 97 years old. And she happened to step crooked on the sidewalk. Right and fell and you know a person that age falls is always a biggish deal but she says no i feel pretty good so we walked back to the house and she kind of rested up well later on during the day the pain started getting worse so at that point this is the middle of french quarter fest which is going on right now so there's no way to get a car in or out of there yeah so where i was going with all that we ended up calling ems they sent an ambulance Mm -hmm. and 
what it occurred to me is the parallel between an ambulance for a person and a, and record, a record for an automobile. Sure. There's a reluctance there because certainly there's an expense involved and all that. Of course, she's very well insured, so that wasn't too much of an issue for her. But that ambulance was able to do something very easily that would have been difficult, if not impossible, for us to do. Right, because it's a specially designed apparatus. It is. And you know, we live on the second floor, and her hip was hurting her very bad. She wasn't sure. able to walk. They came in with this little, they call a stair chair, which I've right. never heard of it before, yeah. but they were able to help her into this chair and just walk it right down the stairs. Specifically so, designed. Designed for the task. Yep. And wreckers are sort of the same way. So, you know, we're going to talk more about that. Let's go All back right. to our phone lines. we got Glenn on the line. Good morning, Glenn. Good morning. This is Glenn from Los Angeles. How are you doing, Glenn? I really, I'm doing great. I really love your show. I well, thank you. I wanted to talk to you today about methods of brake bleeding. Mm -hmm. I understand there are many different methods. There are three main ones that I know of. It seems they all have advantages and disadvantages. Mm -hmm. I'd like to just mention them and then get your input on you them. You bet. One method I know is where you have two people. One sits inside the car and pumps the brake pedal. The other goes around and cracks the brake Yes, sir. Mm -hmm. the, Another method is a pressurized system yes, where sir. you pressurize Force fluid through the system. When the system and go around and break open the bleeder valves and, mm -hmm. open the, and flush the system. Another method I know is where a vacuum system Correct. where you draw brake fluid through. Do you have a preferred method? Or do you have comments on each method? I mean, I typically do the pressurized method. Mm -hmm. I just wonder if one method is better another it seems to me they all have advantages they do i just want to get your in inputs please. they all three have advantages and we use all three we do it all just good. depends on the application you mm -hmm. know what we're working on as to what we should the way we should bleed it out i mean my preferred when it works is the regular foot method just because that's the mm -hmm. least intrusive and does mm -hmm. kind of the best job but therefore it mm -hmm. takes two people to do it. it takes two people right it's less likely to damage anything it gets good results and mm -hmm. it will work sometimes when nothing else will work in certain applications oh, in certain applications now right. the pressure method is easier in that it only uses one person but i find some because the pressure that you're generating with that system is nothing close to the pressure you're generating by foot pressure now you only have like 20 pounds right. on the tank and but with foot pressure you're up maybe 1200 12 1400 pounds right. of pressure oh wow okay. the vacuum system works well particularly like on the active braking systems where you can get air trapped in a system and you just can't seem to force it out sometimes that will get it out we use the vacuum method on clutches a lot too because the resistance of the clutch going to the floor doesn't allow you to generate a lot of pressure with the pedal. So you can use it for that. It also works well sometimes when you have like a cylinder or something that might be leaking slightly. It doesn't leak fluid to the outside, but it can draw air into the system. They'll work sometimes on those type systems. So we generally use combinations of the three. Most of the time when we're doing brake service, we will use the pressure tank to flush the whole system out and then come back and top it off with a foot. You'll go around it by foot. Just I find we achieve a better pedal that way. Okay, great, great. That is really good to know. That is very, very insightful. I really appreciate all your knowledge and insight. Well, thank and, uh, you. Thank you. Thank you very much for, for that information. All right, Glenn, thanks for calling, man. Thank you. We'll talk to you later. Right. Bye. Okay, we're going back to our phone lines. Let's see, we've got, I'm sorry, I hit the wrong button. David, if you call right back, I'll, he's on, hang on. David, you still there? Yes, I'm here. Okay, okay. I'm sorry, I thought I'd hit the wrong button. 
Hey, enjoy your show, guys. Thank, Thank you. you. Hey, help me think through this. I've got an 05 Toyota Highlander, mm-hmm. and this is concerning the windows, in, in particular the passenger front window. Mm-hmm. So when I'm sitting in the driver's side, I've got the four buttons along with the lockout, right? Yes, sir. And then I can go over and sit in the passenger seat, the front one, correct, to uh, try to control the window. The mm-hmm. car is not driven that often, so I'm trying to give you as much data as I can. But mm-hmm. so periodically I'll go. Uh, it kind of sits in my son's house, and so I'll get drive it around, get some gas, and do things like that. And I want to roll down all the windows, roll them back up, and all. Well, sometimes it works fine from either location, mm-hmm. regardless of what seat you're sitting in and what switch you're using. Other times, I may roll it down from the driver's side, and then all of a sudden it gets stuck. And it's like, oh, my gosh. So you keep pulling with the button, pulling with the button. You're, mashing, you're pressing in and out the lockout mm-hmm. to see if that's having an effect on it. Then sometimes you go sit in the driver's side, I mean the uh, passenger side, and it'll go up. But most of the time, of course, if I'm by myself, I'm trying to control it from yes, driver's the driver's side. Mm-hmm. side. Mm-hmm. But eventually, it has always gone up. Yes, sir. So it's like, and I try to keep, like I said, keep pressing. Maybe it's the lockout. If, if the person over there, a lot of times I'll have my son with me. Yeah. Hey, you try to roll up from your side, mm-hmm. and let me keep pressing the lockout off on, off on to see is that affected those kind of things. And I just mm-hmm. can't narrow it down. I'm going to tell you, David, what's more likely is that either the motor is getting weak in that window or the tracks are dirty. And what's happening is that you, when you're messing with the driver's switch, some time is also passing, and the motor may be cooling back down to the point that when by the time you get over to the right side and push it, the motor's cooled down to the point where it'll, it'll go ahead and go again. Because as the motors get older, what will happen is they'll roll down easy because you got gravity working with you. So they'll go on down, but pushing it up is much, much more difficult. And as it comes down, the motor starts to get hot, and it doesn't have enough oomph to push it back up. Especially if the tracks are dirty. Especially if the tracks are dirty. Now, if it sits for a minute or two, sometimes it'll go ahead and make it on up. And a way you can kind of isolate that is next time it does that, go ahead and just roll it back down again and roll it up and see if it, if it does the same thing again, even with the other switch. Because you know, all the switches on it basically only do one thing. They just they send a command to the body send a module. Command to it. And, and the body module commands the window up and down. Correct. But I don't see where you, you, you couldn't lock out the one window. Another thing you could do also is try one like one of the back windows. If it operates, then it's not going to be the master switch because it would lock all three of the other windows out. So that Bill would be a. Could not one, one of the four switches on the master. Well, and, and make sure when you say master switch, make That's sure the driver's side. I'm getting your connotations. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I'm talking about is the four button. Exactly. Five yes, sir. That's actually switch. more than just buttons. That goes down into a little module that controls the whole system. That's how it allows the lockout and all that kind of stuff. But I don't think it's going to be a switch problem just because it starts working again. And sometimes it does one thing. Sometimes it does another I tell you, the very first thing I would do, go on my website and just type in Power Window, and there's a couple of articles on there cleaning those tracks. I would yeah. clean the tracks real well first and just see if it gets better. It's not going to fix it, but see if it gets better. If it does, most likely you're into one of your motors. Probably that passenger side motor is getting weak. And, yeah. I mean, the other thing you could do next time it occurs, try one of the back windows. If they still work, then it is 
And gonna I be, know they do because yeah. I've done that. Well, it's okay, going to be isolated to that one window. It's right. not going to be like you, yeah, you master switch or you lock out. It's a single window. Mm-hmm. It's clearly that window. Yeah, I bet it's. I bet what it is is that that motor is getting weak, and just the time that elapses while you're playing with the switches, and then you finally get over to the right side, is what's allowing it to work at that point. I don't think it's the fact that you use a different switch. I mean, yeah. I guess there's some totally obscure things it could be, but I sure check the easy stuff first. Right. Well, uh, hopefully the fact that I'm calling indicates I do uh, try to do a lot of my own work mm-hmm. to the extent I can. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've looked at the parts, and it appears that I can buy either, like, the whole track. I call it track system. Yeah, it's called a, a regulator. Without a motor, which indicates to me that you can just buy the motor. You can. And I'm going to tell you something, Dave. One thing we've learned the hard way, most of those assemblies you buy with everything is a Chinese knockoff, and they don't work near as good as the original one did, if at all, right out of the box. And the problem is if you buy that assembly and then throw away the old track and you have to go back and get a Toyota motor, you may have to buy both pieces. So if you accept to do that, keep your old parts. Because you yeah. may inevitably end up having to go back and get a motor from Toyota, and it's going to be a lot less expensive yeah. just to get a motor than it is to buy a motor with a regu- regulator. Right. But we've had. I guess I'm one that once you break it down, you might as well go ahead and change the track too. Like yeah. you said, the aftermarket ones, they're not that expensive when you look at them. You've got to do all that work to break yeah, it down. The, the problem That's is they just don't work. Right. They just don't they work, last. And, and they don't last. They're, they're real, real, real poor uh, duplicates. Some of them, yeah. even depending on where you get, like get on the internet, you'll get counterfeit stuff. and I mean, we have such problem with that. We just can't afford to use them. I go back to the original Toyota, and normally I do replace just the motor and not the whole track unless the track has a problem. But yeah. what I would do first off is to clean all those little tracks where the windows can roll up and down easier. That eases sure. it, and you take like a little silicone lube. A lot of times, even if the motor's weak, you can get another couple of years out of it just by doing that. Yeah. Oh, wow. And if you don't, and I do have put to new and on new things that happen. All that in order to get to the tracks, right? You don't necessarily have awesome. to. You can do a better job if you do, but if you just clean the exterior tracks, that's where most of the debris is going to be because it's exposed to the environment. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. But okay. yeah, go on my, my site. There's a couple yeah. of articles on it. Yeah. I appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Y'all have a good day. All right, Dave. All right, thanks. thanks, man. Okay. Bye-bye. All right. We got to take a quick little break. Clark, if you hold on, you'll be straight up after this break. If you ever plan to motor west lie back and tell me what's stressing you out mister Herr voted supervillain art nemesis of good i have electric superpowers blah 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 and it sounds like you're burnt out and stressed about your job yes doctor the pressure is insane my wife's always nagging me about my evil plans not being up to par melting the polar ice caps blocking out the sun world domination none of it's good enough for her uh, some days I just want a garden. Herr Voltage, I can't really advise you on your super evil plans, but I can offer this advice on gaining some peace of mind. Bring your car in once a year to Agco for a general inspection. They check your vehicle, perform needed maintenance, and they catch any problems early so you don't have major repairs down the road. Hmm, I know Agco could work on my Scion, but can they work on my G19 thermonuclear urban assault car copter? You'll have to call Agco about that. Get your own peace of mind and schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back. If you just join us, the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. We sure appreciate you spending your Saturday morning with us. And if you have a comment or a question, give us a call. It's 291-6901. Going back to our phone lines, we got Clark's been patiently holding. Good morning, Clark. 
Hey, good morning. Thanks for taking my call. You bet. I've got a 2004 Camry that my son's using while he goes to grad school uh -huh. in Oklahoma. Okay. And last summer we had to replace the high-pressure power steering hose mm -hmm. to replace. And it's got a leak in the rack and pinion, and we didn't want to replace it because I put a lot of money in yeah, the car. Yeah, I'm just trying part. to make it last to get him through school. Sure. But it looks like it's leaking. I don't know how bad it's leaking right now, and I'm trying to figure out whether I should try to get something done with it or mm -hmm. just let him keep the power steering fluid, make sure that he monitors it until he can get home in the summertime and then maybe look and see at it. Mm -hmm. Wondering, is there any, That's is there rarely any, a rarely a danger as long as you keep fluid in it and technically even if it runs out of fluid you're not going to lose your steering you'll lose power steering and usually before that happens you get a lot of warning it'll start making noise and all now it's important to tell him if it does start to make that you know hydraulic noise to go ahead and top the fluid off because you are doing damage when the pump is running low when that's happening right right yeah, so you don't want to take out a pump and a rack and pinion but it's rarely a danger as long as he's willing to check the fluid and add fluid to it every so often. And that one is going to take automatic transmission fluid as a power steering fluid. Now, automatic transmission yes, sir. Dex. Dex three. What you do not want to do and caution him, do not put any of this stop leak stuff in the system because oh, no. not only will that not make it better, what it'll do is swell all the seals up, and then you'll end up buying another hose and a pump and a rack. You know, gotcha. you almost end up totaling the vehicle. But, yeah, just keep an eye on it. Adds fluid to it. Rarely is it going to be a danger of any kind. Now, one other thing you might just have him do is let somebody inspect it and make sure the fluid that is leaking out is not dripping on something critical because you do have lower control arm bushings under the car and some other pieces like that, and that fluid can leak down and get on those and then eat them up so you can get a bigger repair than you had before. And it depends a lot on where it's leaking and how bad it's leaking, but most of the time, so long as you keep an eye on the fluid level and it's not leaking on something critical, you know, you'll be good. Yeah, because isn't it how expensive is it to replace that in the Toyota? You know, it's probably a three-hour job or so, and you know, shops are generally somewhere around a hundred dollars an hour, so you're probably looking three, four hundred dollars worth of labor to do it, and in the parts, probably. Anywhere from two fifty to a thousand dollars, depending on what kind. If you get a rebuilt, or you get a newer, you get a Toyota, you get an aftermarket, and all that. So, I mean, it adds up to a pretty significant. It's not a car killer, but you know, it's it's probably going to be anywhere between six hundred thousand, twelve hundred dollars. Yeah, because that's what I'm trying to fix. I'm just trying. To, the car's got one hundred fifty thousand miles. On yeah, but that car with one hundred fifty thousand is barely yeah. broke in good. Really? Oh, yeah. yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you just take Been a little, well taken care little of. bit of care, that's some of the best cars they ever built. In fact, if you go buy an 18 mile, it's not going to be as good. That, you just don't make that car anymore. I mean, it's it was yeah, a really I good little car. I'm, yeah, what I, my plan is is just to have him try to teach him to monitor that fluid. And mm -hmm. the next time he gets down here, maybe have y'all. Well, it's not a bad life thing. lesson to learn, you know, to how to extend the life of something. Yeah, I just don't know people up at, up there. I don't mm -hmm. know a reputable person to take it to, and I don't really like he took it to the dealer for an oil change. And they weren't you never know. I would, yeah, I'd want to have him get it home, and that way you can have it repaired somebody you know and trust. And also, if anything goes wrong in the future, you got it at a place that's convenient for you. Yeah, and one last question mm -hmm. on the oil change. I was noticing, looking at his bill that he sent me, is there a danger... We've had that car. We've owned that car from day one or whatever, mm -hmm. but it looked like they might have put 
synthetic oil in it in the last oil change. No danger. What I don't like is changing the brands of oil that you're using because while all oil is pretty good, they're not all compatible. And if you go from, let's say, mobile to Quaker State or Valvoline, yeah, yeah, you could end up with an oil consumption problem because the additive packages are not the same. Yeah, it's been a long, long time since I fooled with things, but a long time ago, like, you know, we used to change our oil every every Mm 3,000 miles Mm -hmm. or whatever, and then they started coming out with the synthetic oil and the other stuff, and I just always maintained, I always thought that there was a danger. No. Switching back and forth. In the well, I mean, I would continuously go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, but they are compatible. And in fact, the line between synthetic and regular oil is blurring so much to the point now that pretty much they claim almost everything you get is going to be synthetic. Okay. So okay. it's all changed up so much. But yeah, I wouldn't sit there. I would try to find one brand of oil and stick with it consistently just because you have less problems with the additive packages interacting in pro- Well. Toyota does it. We we always take it back to mm-hmm. the dealer for that, mm-hmm. just to let them do it and do the do their own oil filters and stuff. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. So we ought to be fine. I and think I just, so. I just I just put that pure synthetic in or whatever. Yeah, and it may be the same oil they've been using, and the designation may have changed to synthetic because all that's changed so much in the last. You almost can't buy oil that's not rated synthetic anymore. Almost everything's called synthetic now. Okay. All right. Well, appreciate it. Thanks All right. for taking my call. Y'all have a nice weekend. Yes, Thank sir. You. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. Going back to our phone lines, we've got Chris on the line. Good morning, Chris. Oh, good morning, Mr. Lewis. Thank you. Love your show. Love your shop. Thank you. Look, um, so I'm kind of the family mechanic, shade tree mechanic, and then mm-hmm. I bring it to you guys or send them to you guys when I can't do it. But i got a 2013 Charger, mm-hmm. the, uh, five, the V8 5.7, not the Plus, not the Max. Mm-hmm. It's a trans, 140,000 miles, never had a transmission fluid change. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking, and it's acting up. It's slow to shift, and mm-hmm. it shifts kind of hard, kind of hanging up. So I'm I'm thinking, well, heck, let's change the fluid for starters. You could and try it's, that. It's probably too little too late, Chris. Yeah. A service normally is not going to fix any kind of problem. It just right. prevents these kind of things from happening. But like you said, what I would do, Chris, when you bring it into someone or if you decide to do it yourself – Make them aware that you are having a shifting concern because if they go in and they don't notice it or they don't drive it, they do a service and then drive it and notice it, they're going to start worrying, well, maybe we did something in the service, and, and they're going to waste a bunch of unnecessary time. Yeah. But if they know going in what it's doing, not only that, but while they've got the pan off, they can look for things like does it have a solenoid that's backed out of place. They had some trouble on some of those where the little retainer that holds the solenoids into the valve body can bend and it can pop out of place and cause some of those things. They can look for debris in the pan. I mean, yeah. they, they've got a lot more knowledge going in as so long as you make them aware of that. Yeah. So I was going to take a stab at doing it, and then the little cap says dealer. Well, I'm assuming it's the, it's the cap to, to fill it. It says dealer use only or something, and then it looks like I could drop the pan. So... I don't know if it's something I can even fool with. Isn't that the one that has the tube but no dipstick on it? Right. Okay. I think Josh keeps a dipstick there at the shop to mm-hmm. service those with. Yeah. It can still be checked with a stick, but you have to actually purchase that separately. Yeah, you got to buy yeah. a, a stick for it. And you drop the pan to drain the fluid and change the filter and all that sort of thing. And then what they do is they you have to order the dipstick, and that way you can check the fluid level once you fill it. Yeah, yeah, and I had seen that, too, when I was reading up about it. Mm -hmm. I guess my debate is, it seems like, even though the little cap for the dipstick on that one says, you know, dealer dealer 
service only or something like that. And I was like, well, you know, I still feel like I could do it. And I, I'm already aware I had to get a separate dipstick and, and then measure what came out to put the, you know, similar amount back in and whatnot. Yes, I don't see any reason you couldn't do it. I mean, the only advantage I can see to help having a professional do it, he might spot something while he's got it open that yeah. you might not you're not having the experience that a, a real transmission guy would have it's possible they could spot something that hey you know we tighten this and this or, or we adjust this you know that would be my only but i mean i don't see any reason you couldn't do it yourself yeah and really ideally i want i'd rather you guys do it being there's some trouble and i mean i hate to even ask is there a ballpark even idea what something like that would be to bring it in well the labor's one hour so in our shop, yeah. that's one hundred and five dollars. The yeah. fluid and filters, whatever it costs, you know, I don't know off yeah. the top of my head, yeah. but uh, no, no. not a hugely expensive service. And what would happen there is that Josh could look inside and tell you this is a significant amount of metal or debris, or this is a normal amount of metal or debris, which is yeah. going to give you a very good picture of what the transmission condition is. Because I mean, if you open it up and there's a bunch of metal in there, and you got to know because everyone. What's significant on one vehicle right. is not significant on another. They're all going to generate some kind of debris. Some debris, and some of them do more, some of them do less. That's where experience comes in. If you know that you're getting close to the end on this thing, then you can start budgeting for that now. And if you know you got basically a healthy unit, you can do different things. So yeah. I think that information is kind of what you're paying for. Yeah, absolutely. I just want to help this kid keep rolling in mm-hmm. his car. You know? Right. Mm-hmm. Hey, thanks a bunch. We're going to, uh, I'm sure, schedule with you. Okay, sounds great, man. Love the shop. Love the show. Thank you. Thanks, so man. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, one more quick little break. Jim, if you hold on, you'll be straight up after this break. Ah, yes, Mr. Bigfoot. Huh? Make yourself comfortable on the couch and tell me what has stressed you out. I'm just a secluded forest dweller, and I like it like that. But every now and then, I get these people hunting me down. There's a TV show, jerky commercials, and now another movie. Then I worry about the hype. If they do find me, will my feet be big enough? Well, Mr. Foot, I can't really do much about these people, but I can tell you how to create some peace of mind in your life. Do like me and take your car to Agco once a year for a general inspection. They provide me an honest opinion on the maintenance and repairs I need now and in the future. They can even catch small issues that could lead to big, expensive problems down the road. An Agco general inspection, huh? Oh, one more thing, Doc. Could you tell me where I can find this toilet paper? I've heard wonderful things about it. Here's Agco's number. And the name of another store that may ship some TP straight to your cave. Thanks, Doc. Get your own peace of mind and schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back to the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Lewis Aldersan, with Mr. Brian Terry. We sure appreciate listening to the show and calling us. If you got, got a question? Hankering, too. There you go. <laughs> Going back to our phone lines with Jim. Good morning, Jim. Uh, hey, yeah, guys. I appreciate the show. Thank you. And I'm calling around for my nephew. He has a 2005 Impala, mm-hmm. you know, like 100,000 miles on it. Yes, sir. And um, he gets home after work and, you know, turns it off. And he come, looks out the window and the lights pop on. Okay. Have you ever heard of this? Yeah, they've had a lot, a lot of electrical problems, those Impalas and that whole series of cars. It could be any number of things, Jim, as complex as the body control module going out or possibly less, like some kind of a short in the system. But I have heard of that particular problem. It doesn't really occur to me right now exactly if there's one thing more than anything else that we do to fix it. Other than I think we do change body modules on those yeah. a fair amount. I what's would the, also... body module? That is the computer that runs the lights and stuff on the car. Is that expensive? 
Yes. Oh, it's not something you just want to guess at. Yeah, you, well, you can't change it yourself because it has to be programmed to the car. So you, okay. you can have to take it to a shop capable of doing it. I mean, you don't have to go to a dealer or anything, but you know, we do that type work. But you have to go in, retrieve the programming off the module, put, install it, and program it back, or go to GM and download the, the software, software for it. For it. And it, it's like any other computer. If you just buy it and turn it on, it doesn't do anything because it doesn't have any software yeah. to run it. But a body module, see, nowadays it's not like in the old days where you had a switch and you, it was an analog switch that turned something on. Yeah. Now what happens, a switch is more, basically just a sensor. And when you turn that switch, you're sending a pulse <laughs> to the body module, and it grounds a relay which turns lights on. And that oh, gives you the cool stuff like yeah. the lights can stay on after you turn the key off and then time out, and the inside lights can twilight out, all the cool stuff that we like, but there's a cost, you know. But, well, yeah, but they've had like a... They've had a number of problems with the Impalas as far as electrical oh, issues. So disconnecting the battery every night is probably the best thing for them. Well, well not necessarily. Because you're going to lose all the data every time you disconnect the battery that you're going to need to fix the car. Not only that, but you can end well, up he ain't with... Fix it. He bought it for like $2,000. You know, yeah, yeah. He just bought a used car. And... Yeah, I mean, who knows? If you were clever enough, you could probably rig a switch into the headlight control relay. And that's another part that can go out. The headlight control relay can cause that problem all by itself, which is not a real expensive thing. So, I mean, I'd probably pay somebody an hour's labor or whatever to at least diagnose the problem for me and find out what my options are. Can I put an off-on switch somewhere in this circuit? You, know, you can't put it in the digital side, which maybe I'll put it on the relay side where you can dis- yeah. You know, when you keep disconnecting your battery, you're losing all your shift adapts, you're losing your idle control, you're losing a lot of stuff that's going to cause you some other issues. I'll have to tell him that then. Mm-hmm. So he can put it on the um, on maybe like just the wires going to the headlights to switch. I would switch the relay. I wouldn't switch the lights yeah. themselves. I yeah. would definitely switch the yeah, relay. You need to try to find out where the relay is. And, I mean, you can even do something as simple as every night go pull the relay out. Yeah, that would work too. Yeah, that'll, that'll kill where, them. Where's that located at? It'd it's, be in your fuse box somewhere under the hood. I don't know exactly. I have to look it up in surface data. But A lot of the GMs, when you take the lid off the fuse block and you turn it over, it's, there's a schematic there that tells you which each fuse run, runs each oh, one. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, so you can take the light fuse out or something. Yeah, the fuse or the relay. Yeah, the fuse or the relay. It probably... It may or may not have a separate fuse for that because some of those are fused through the body module. Some of them do have a separate fuse. It just, just depends on how, right. how that one's wired. Sometimes the relay yeah. itself is fused. You know, I mean, there's cars yeah. now. There's no standard though. thing. Yeah, well, there's nothing standard on cars. I mean, everything's just, everything's if different. He if he doesn't disconnect it, the battery's dead in the morning anyway. Yeah, I mean, I would try to avoid disconnecting the battery because you are creating other issues, but. Yeah, yeah, temporarily that could. I mean, pulling a relay could be easier than pulling the battery anyway. Is it just the headlights that are coming on, or is it the interior lights also? I or? think he said a lot of the lights were blinking. A lot. I mean, if it yeah. were me, what I would do is I'd probably yep. go and pay a somebody just to diagnose the problem, and then go in from case there. it's something minor. Yeah. Well, he's also he's buying it from his boss who wheels and deals and used cars and mm-hmm. stuff. I think he ought to just take it back because I want another car. Yeah, yeah it would work do that too. too. And yeah. I mean, if, especially if the car's yeah. been modified in some way. I mean, yeah. I've seen something as simple as somebody put an aftermarket radio in there and cause that kind of problem. Oh, boy. Yeah. Okay, guys, I appreciate your information. Okay, Jim, right. thanks for calling, man. Bye-bye. Uh, Bye-bye. Bye. All right, let's go back to our phone lines. We've got Ray on line. Good morning, Ray. Hey, good morning, guys. Thank you for taking my call. You bet. I enjoy your show. Thank you. I have one quick question. A 2011 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland. I've been changing the oil on it regularly, about every 5,000 miles or maybe before. When I go to clear the message 
oil change do? I'm having problems with getting it cleared this time. Do I have to go to the dealership or what seems to be the problem? No, there should be just a certain procedure you go through that, that would clear it. I know okay. on the Hondas, you have to have the headlights off or the message okay. won't clear. But the Jeep, I'm, I haven't run across any problems with the Jeeps. Yeah, I would probably look in your owner's manual and find that procedure and make sure you're following it verbatim. Yeah. Because sometimes as cars get older, they get more persnickety about that kind of stuff for whatever reason. To answer your question, though, even if it is a malfunction somewhere in the system, you never have to go back to a dealer. Any independent shop that's got the proper equipment can do that job for you. Okay. Yeah, because I followed the procedure that's in the owner's manual. You know, turn the switch on, put it to the run position pump the brake three times it's not the brake pedal it's the it's it's the accelerator pedal accelerator yeah three three times to the floor Mm -hmm. okay all right yeah Yeah, try try that one try that now yeah that should get you that should clear it okay all right all right man thank you all right bye-bye bye-bye all right, two nine one sixty nine zero one is the number you know that sometimes happens well you get in your mind a certain thing and even though you're reading it your mind has a way of, of just, overriding yeah right I, I know when i used to write a lot on the website i would always get someone else to read the article because i had read it and proofread it and proofread it and i know what i wanted to say right but yeah, i mean, just didn't not come what out i was saying yeah <laughs> if you get someone else to read it sometimes oh look this is that uh-huh one. and something as simple as is two different pedals you know well it, yeah it yeah. happens i mean i like put or instead of are right in an application or, or to instead of too or sometimes just put totally wrong word and even though you've read it and read it and read it it just doesn't yeah your mind sees it and just runs right over it Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that can definitely happen you know before we got all the calls we were talking just a little bit about wreckers and towing Towing. and such as that and there's i think a natural reluctance to calling a wrecker Uh obviously there's some expense involved but sometimes not only is it the simplest way but it will save more than enough money to justify its cost Back in the early 90s, there was a problem with a lot of the Ford cars. There was a cable that went to the throttle body. And what would happen is this cable, the little bushing, it would dry rot and pop off. It was a little piece of plastic bushing. And people would call and say, my car just feels real sluggish. And there was a mash of gas that just doesn't want to go. And I'd say, look, get it towed in. Right. Don't don't drive it. Don't drive it. Inevitably, here they come driving up. Uh And when I'm telling you this would burn the transmission up, Oh, in a couple miles. Yeah, just or a, less. A, a few miles. And if they would have just towed the car, they could have sure. saved that transmission that's now burned up. But there's just that natural reluctance to not wanting to have to spend money, right. not seeing the value uh, well, of it. Well, it, it's an inconvenience because you have to wait for the record driver to get there. Mm-hmm. And you've actually got to trust that the record driver knows what he's doing. Right. So he doesn't damage the vehicle in transport. Well, there are ways, and we're going to talk about that in just a second, that it can be damaged in towing. Transport. But Sometimes it is just the only way you have to. It's clear. I mean, you get in an accident and the car is smashed. It's right, not it's going to roll. You've got to call a wrecker. Other times it's a matter of safety. For instance, my Low brake, brake pedal brake pedal's going to the floor. Uh-huh. I'm just not going to drive that car. Right. That's going to get towed in. Other times, just where the car is broken down, you fail on the side of the interstate. Well, you know, you can't go out there and tie a rope to this thing and start pulling it down the interstate. You're going to have to call a wrecker. Mm-hmm. So there. I don't want to say a necessary evil, but I guess a reluctant necessity that people have. But sometimes it's just right, and it is less expensive to just go ahead and call the wrecker. Now, when they tow the car, there are a number of different types of wreckers that can tow cars. Sure. And 
if you have a car, what you want to make sure is that the drive wheels of the car, be that front or rear, depending on if it's a front-wheel drive or rear-wheel drive, or possibly all four if it's an all-wheel drive, need to be off the ground. Correct. You can tow. I've seen this, too, where car was in the driveway at the house, and you put it in gear and it wouldn't move. Something was wrong with the car. And a record driver comes to get it, and maybe he's not as good as he should be. He's a little lazy, and it's easier to get to the back of the car. So they back up, they pick the back wheels up, and they tow the car in with the front wheels on the ground. Well, if this is a front-wheel drive car, you can very easily destroy that transmission between your house and the shop. Sure. And that needn't have been done. I know when we see a car being towed in, Josh is usually in that last bay down there. When he sees a record coming in and it's being towed in properly, before he lets the guy unload the car, he says, well, stop right there. Goes out with his phone and takes a picture of it. Sure. Because if all the owner knows, let's say he had an engine running problem or something like that, or a brake problem. Well, all he knows is the transmission was fine when he left his house. And when he comes to pick it up for me, now all of a sudden it's burned up. And just for liability, we're going to document the fact, hey, this car was properly towed. Correct. And I'll call the owner and say, look, we're fixing to look at your car for your brake problem or running problem. However, your record driver towed the car in improperly. There is a possibility, and we need to get him involved in this right now. I'll tell him right Mm -hmm. there, but you probably need to call the company and inform them this car was towed improperly. And it doesn't take that much. I mean, just a few miles towing it the wrong way. And you end up burning it up. Well, and and most of them are actually driving a, a rollback now. So mm-hmm. you know the deck rolls back. They pull the vehicle up on it, and that way all four wheels are off the ground. In most cases, that is by far the safest way to tow. Depending it. on the automobile, mm-hmm. some automobiles are too low to be towed that way. Right, and they have a special towing procedure that the record driver has to follow, whether it be dollies that he can lift the vehicle and put the wheels on dollies. And kind of, kind of like a low rider trailer right. assembly. Mm-hmm. It just depends on the vehicle. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I've noticed they'll lay pieces of wood down so that the tires can hit it. Because a lot of the newer cars do sit low to the ground and have a big, long nose on them. So as you pull up on this rollback, it's sitting at an angle, if you can imagine that. Your tires are still on the ground when the front of the car is going up on this right. back, back not, of the truck. There's not enough distance between the, the ground and the deck until the tires until start, the tires to, rise start up. to lift up. So you can very easily smash the front of the car into sure. the platform on the back of the wrecker. And those, a lot of times, they'll tow them from the wheels or, or other methods of uh-huh. towing them. But again, you come back to the point of depends on what the problem is and getting the drive wheels off the ground. Exactly. But for the most part, towing with rollback is going to be your, your less damaging and your best bet. Right. Hey, we've got to take one last quick little break. Be right back with more on the Automotive Hour. So lie back on the couch, Ms. Bo Peep, and tell me what's got you stressed. Ugh, my sheep keep getting lost. I mean, they're in the meadow one minute, and I look down at a text, and then I don't know where to find them. And they keep doing it. Let me level with you, Doc. Sheep are not the smartest animals. (coughs) Not you, Denise. You're the exception. Look, Doc, you ever try to have a conversation with a sheep? It's a little one-sided. They just look at you with this blank look on their faces. That and the whole getting lost thing has me at my wit's end. I can't really help you with losing sheep, but I can tell you how to get a little peace of mind. Do like me and take your car into Agco Automotive once a year for a general inspection. They check everything out and perform maintenance on what you need to keep your car running right, and it saves money in the long run. Ooh, but the money I save, I can buy some shock collars to keep those little halfwits in one place. Meh. <laughs> 
Denise, you know I wouldn't do that to you. Get your own peace of mind and schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back to the final segment of the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldersan, president of Agco Automotive. Got lead tech, Mr. Brian Terry, right here by my side. Between two of us, we'll try to answer any one of the questions you may have. Just give us a call, 291-6901. And we've got Jerry online. Good morning, Jerry. Hey, how's it going? Doing great, Good. sir. You want to know how fast I went? In 1981, I started as a patrol officer at 19 years old and hadn't even been in academy yet. And chased a guy that had a souped-up, it was an old Impala at 155, Ow. 158 <laughs> miles an hour in a 444 barrel old trooper LTD. We caught him. <laughs> car blew up. Yeah, I'll bet. <laughs> yeah, that was probably one of the most exciting ones. Chasing the motorcycles was a little bit more difficult. Would only think so. <laughs> and I noticed Big now they've uh, a lot of newer cars. They can actually shut them down. As GM, law official, law enforcement a, can call in and they can get the license number, run it, get the VIN number, and then shut the car down. So I guess maybe those days are coming to an end. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> thank y'all. All right, Jerry, All right thank thanks, you. man. Bye bye. You might outrun a Chevrolet, but you can't outrun us two way. That's it. <laughs> yep. They gonna get you. You were talking a little bit about towing and stuff. Sure. Today. One last thing I want to kind of talk about, and that's like. I'm going to call it involuntary towing, and that might be if you park in the wrong place. Sure. For instance, if you park at the airport in a no-parking zone, they're going to send a wrecker out there to move that car. Now, at, at very best, they're going to send a wrecker. I have seen them use the forklift that mm-hmm. is on site to move a vehicle. Oh, yeah. He parked in the wrong place because you- airport security is one of those things nowadays that is just gotten slammed out of sight, yeah. out of hand. It's and gonna, they're they're going to move, move that it. car. Right. And, and no matter what kind of damage they may cause. That's right. I know in New Orleans, they have a lot of no parking zones. Uh, they clean the streets in the morning and certain streets you can't park on. And if it's a parade route. Right. And that parade's coming and you're part, they just send a, a whole bevy of wreckers out there and they will, they don't have the keys to unlock them. They will just hook on and, and drag that car sideways and get it out of there. Right. Because you've got thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people sitting there wa- waiting for this parade and you got this car blocked across parade route they're going to move it at very suspi- uh, a suspicious vehicle yeah even that, that can't be moved yeah even that so much the more well yeah. it, it could have explosives in it or whatever who knows what yeah so that's not something you want to have happen and certainly you can't blame the city if you've parked your car in the wrong area and they damage it moving, moving it. it you right. just have to allow for that by watching where you park yep <laughs> But the point is, most of the time, cars are towed every single day, thousands and thousands of times, and with no trouble, no at damage, all. no trouble at all. Don't be scared of having your car towed right. under the right conditions, but do be a little bit careful. And in fact, if you, I think if you want, you can actually request a record service to come pick it up. Right. So you may have one on call, or one you like to use, or one you've used before and and never had any trouble with. Right. Might be a good idea just to have that on hand. Right. It's like anything else. There are those guys that can do it and those guys that can't. Yeah, I see them come by the shop all the time. I know the ones that can can move cars. Right. And ones that can't. That's it. Hey, I see we're just about totally out of time. we got to start getting ready to get on out of here. I want to tell everybody how much we appreciate them listening this morning and calling in. Boy, we had a bevy of callers we did. today. And, we did. Uh, we really appreciate that because it makes the show so much more interesting. I'd like to thank all our podcasters for calling this week and listening to the show and Find a written review and fill it out for us. Yeah, fill those written reviews out. That moves us up in the rankings and it makes sure that we able to keep doing the show. Hey, preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend.